Shalom, and thank you for listening at BethEmmanuel.org. If you enjoy the teachings from Beth Emanuel, share the links with your friends. Like us on Facebook and tell your friends about the things you are learning at Beth Emanuel. Help us grow the message. Be on your guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And that day will not come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 21, 34-36 At this time in January of last year, I was growing increasingly concerned over reports of a novel coronavirus coming out of Wuhan, China. Twelve months later, having now returned to these narratives regarding the plagues visited upon Egypt, I feel like we have lived through these Torah portions in some small measure. As I have pointed out along the way in the last 12 months, we have literally seen rivers turned red, birds inexplicably dropping from the sky, mixtures of wild animals pressing in on civilized areas, firestorms and catastrophes on global scales, signs, portents, and wonders in the skies, including the torn flag, the fallen trumpet the burning steeple, the strange red skies of the West Coast, and an unanticipated comet. We have seen smoke and columns of fire over our cities and over our nation, and all of this in the midst of a global plague. We have seen the complete evaporation of reason and truth, and a vortex of conspiracy theories and lies which has sucked up otherwise normal, well-adjusted people. So you will understand if I just take this moment when the Torah has returned us to these narratives about God's judgment on Egypt to reflect on the journey over the last 12 months and to state again, these are the birth pangs of the Messiah. We are living in the end times. If that was true in the first century, How much more so is it true 2,000 years later? So when do you think the Messiah will get here? Perhaps we can figure it out from our Torah portion. The Torah portion tells the story of the first Passover and the exodus from Egypt, which corresponds to the future redemption. In this Torah portion, we have the story of the tenth plague, the dreadful plague of the death of the firstborn. The Lord tells Moses to prepare the people for the tenth plague. Take a lamb, smear the blood, eat it with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. Stay in your house. I will pass over Egypt. In other words, the Lord told the children of Israel to shelter at home while he smote Egypt with the plague. None of you shall go outside of the door of his house. Exodus 12.22 Notice that the Torah is very deliberate about the timing of this event. It's the only one of the ten plagues which has a date. We don't know when the other plagues happened. One opinion of the sages suggests that each one occurred in a subsequent month. Accordingly, the ten plagues lasted about a year. But we have a precise date for the plague of the death of the firstborn. 
The specific date of the event is necessary because of the commandment to commemorate the date in the subsequent celebration of the annual Passover. Future generations were to remember the 14th day of the first month as Erev Pesach, the day on which the people slaughtered their lambs in Egypt. As the 14th day of the month concluded at sunset and the 15th day began, because the biblical day begins at sunset, the people sheltered at home that night and ate the lamb, the bitter herbs, and the unleavened bread as they had been commanded. The first Passover Seder meal. For disciples of Yeshua, Passover has a heightened significance in that it also commemorates the Master's death and resurrection. According to John's chronology of the story, he died on Erev Pesach, Nisan 14, the day when the people slaughtered the Passover lambs. He was entombed that night as the Seder night and the Yom Tov of Unleavened Bread, Nisan 15, was about to begin. He rose from the dead and left the tomb on Nisan 16, that is, the third day. Maybe you have never thought about this, but that means he only spent one night in the grave, Friday night, which was also the Seder night. According to John's chronology, the night of the Seder is the night he was dead. That's how I understand it. The Torah tells the story about what happened on that night in Egypt. Exodus 12, 38-42 says, A mixed multitude also went up with them along with flocks and herds, a very large number of livestock. They baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread, for it had not become leavened since they were driven out of Egypt, and could not delay, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Now the time that the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was four hundred and thirty years, and at the end of four hundred and thirty years, to the very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be observed for the Lord, for having brought them out of the land of Egypt, this night is for the Lord, to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. I'm particularly interested in how the Torah describes that night as a night to be observed. Here's how the English Standard Version renders it. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Or if you prefer, some translations render this night of watching as a night of vigil. That is to say, a night for staying alert, a night for staying awake, a night of vigil. The Torah refers to the first night of Passover, the night of the Seder, as Leel Shimrim. Shimrim is the Hebrew verb shamar, which we also translate as guarding or observing. So you could read it as a night of guarding, or you could read it as a night of observing, or you could read it as a night of observing. It says, Leil Shemarim Hulashem, a night of observing for the Lord. And this seems to imply that the Almighty himself observes the night of Passover, watches and guards it. The sages explain that it means that God keeps vigil that night because on that night the Lord brings salvation to the righteous, just as he did for Israel in Egypt. Sforno explains that just as the Lord watched over and guarded this night for the purpose of bringing Israel out from Egypt, he is watching and guarding it 
for the future redemption. Why does the Torah say that Passover is a night to be observed, a night of vigil? The Torah gives four reasons. Because it is a night for the Lord. It is a night for having brought them out from the land of Egypt. It is a night for all the sons of Israel. And it is a night for their generations. The Targum on Exodus 12.42 presents a liturgical poem based upon this verse. The poem speaks of four unique nights which reveal the glory of the Lord. Four nights are inscribed in the Book of Memorials before the Master of the Universe. The first night was when he appeared to create the world. The second night was when he appeared to Abraham. The third night was when he appeared in Egypt. His hand slew all the firstborn of Egypt, and his right hand saved all the firstborn of Israel. The fourth night will be when he manifests himself to free the people of the house of Israel from among the nations. And he called them all nights to be observed. Exodus 12.42, Targum, Pseudo-Yonatan. In each of the four nights, the Lord unexpectedly reverses the darkness and brings forth light. The first night occurred when the Lord said, Let there be light, and the light of Messiah shone in the darkness. God saw the light was good, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning one day. That's the first night, and the first of the nights to be observed. The second night occurred when the Lord appeared to Abraham after the sun had gone down, and terror and great darkness had fallen upon him. Genesis 15 says, And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Avram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Avram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. The Lord appeared to Abraham in the form of a bright blazing torch. He promised him a son and showed him the future, saying, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. Genesis 15, 13-14 According to Jewish tradition, that revelation to Abraham occurred on the night of Passover, the same night that in the future... God would judge the nation of Egypt and bring Abraham's children up out of that land with many possessions. According to tradition, he showed Abraham the future exodus from Egypt and the future redemption in the days of the Messiah. This is why Yeshua says, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. According to the Targum, the third night occurred when the Lord struck the firstborn of Egypt and liberated Israel, bringing an abrupt end to the long night of the Egyptian servitude, as we read about in our Torah portion. And the fourth night for observing, for watching, the fourth night of vigil, will occur in the future when the Lord will send King Messiah to bring an end to exile and to usher in the final redemption. Then they will say to Zion, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. So let's recapitulate. The Targum explains the unusual term, a night to be observed, in reference to four specific nights 
in which God, during which God, brings redemption. One, the first night of creation, when God said, let there be light, and he brought light out of the light of Messiah to dispel the darkness. The second, the night of Abraham's thick darkness. God appeared to Abraham and promised the future redemption. The third, the night of redemption from Egypt, that is, the Passover, the Seder night, when God struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And four, the fourth one, the future redemption, when the Messiah will come. Here's another explanation of the night to be observed. In the Midrash Rabbah, the sages say, On that night, he saved King Hezekiah from Sennacherib's army. He saved Hananiah and his companions from the fiery furnace. He saved Daniel from the lion's den. And on that night, Messiah and Elijah will appear. Let's look at these claims. The night that God struck down the army of Sennacherib is the pivotal messianic moment of the Tanakh and the Davidic dynasty. It's an apocalyptic story. The Assyrians had already deported the northern kingdom of Israel, and now Sennacherib's army was going to do the same to Judah. They had already destroyed all the cities of Judah. Only Jerusalem remained. Its fate seemed to be sealed. It was like the war of Gog and Magog, the battle of Armageddon, in the days of the kings and prophets. What happened? God sent salvation. He sent an angel to strike down the Assyrians. They withdrew and Judah survived. It was such a miracle that the sages said, The Holy One, blessed be he, considered making King Hezekiah the Messiah and making the destruction of the Assyrian army the final redemption. According to the Midrash Rabbah, all these things happened on Passover, the night to be observed. A century or so later, King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians tossed Daniel into the lion's den and three Jews into a furnace, much the way Hitler tried to toss the entire nation into a furnace a generation ago. Nebuchadnezzar tossed Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, into the fiery furnace. The Lord sent salvation in the form of an angelic being, which they described as one like a son of man walking in the midst of the flames. Likewise, the Lord shut the mouths of the lions. Daniel survived. A great salvation. The three men survived unscathed. They did not even have the smell of smoke upon them. According to the Midrash Rabbah, this happened on Passover. Another amazing reversal took place in the days of Esther and Mordecai. Esther made her banquet on the first night of Passover. She invited the king and Haman, and the evil decree was reversed. Another miraculous deliverance on the night to be observed. The Midrash also says that on that night, Messiah and Elijah will appear. This is the reason we set a place for Elijah at the Seder table and put out a cup for him at Passover. We associate Passover and the redemption from Egypt with the future messianic redemption because the story of the exodus from Egypt set the paradigm. The last redeemer will be like the first redeemer. Messiah will be like Moses. The story of the exodus from Egypt teaches us not just about the past, but also about the future. This is why the plagues of the book of Revelation that constitute the great tribulation are modeled on the plagues with which the Lord smote Egypt. In the Talmud, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yehoshua debated over when the Messiah will bring the final redemption. Eliezer maintained that the final redemption will come on Rosh Hashanah when the shofar is sounded. Yehoshua maintained that the final redemption will come at Passover. The debate ensues over several pages of the Talmud. 
The following passage summarizes the two positions. Rabbi Eliezer says, In the month of Nisan, they were redeemed, as the Torah says. In Tishrei, they will be redeemed in the time to come. This can be learned from two appearances of the word shofar. It is written in Psalm 81, Blow the trumpet at the new moon, Rosh Hashanah. In another place it says, In that day a great shofar will be blown. Yehoshua, on the other hand, taught that the redemption will come at Passover in the month of Nisan because it is a night to be observed for the Lord. Rabbi Yehoshua says, In Nisan they were redeemed, and in Nisan they will be redeemed in the time to come. How do we know? Because the Torah calls the Passover a night to be observed for the Lord, which means that the Almighty has been continuously observing it for the six from the six days of creation. Rosh Hashanah 11b. Our Master Yeshua can reconcile this age-old debate. He can reconcile the contradiction between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yehoshua. Yeshua brought spiritual redemption in Nisan through his death and resurrection. And he will bring the revealed redemption when the shofar of Messiah sounds in the time to come. He fulfilled his role as Messiah, son of Joseph, in the month of Nisan at Passover time. That very night, the night of vigil, was the night he spent in the tomb. Therefore, we can say that Rabbi Yehoshua's interpretation has the redemption through Messiah, son of Joseph, in view. The night of watching by this interpretation is the night he spent in the tomb, waiting for the resurrection. Rabbi Eliezer's opinion, on the other hand, has Messiah, son of David, in mind. He will come with the fanfare of heaven and bring the redemption in a revealed way, like the trumpet of Rosh Hashanah. How does this pertain to our current situation as we move into year two of the current plague during these birth pangs of Messiah? Here's the point. It's not about setting a date or saying, the Messiah will come this year at Rosh Hashanah, or the Messiah will come this year at Pesach. It's about watching and waiting. It's a night to be observed, a night of vigil. We've been in the birth pangs of the Messiah for 2,000 years. It's been nighttime for 2,000 years. As our master said, night is coming. This is the long night to be observed, the long night of waiting and watching. The Messiah may come this year at Passover, he may come at Rosh Hashanah, or he may come at any moment. The point is that we are to be ready and always prepared, like the children of Israel that night in Egypt who waited for the moment of redemption to arrive. That night they ate the lamb, the bitter herbs, and the matzah with their boots on their feet, their coats tucked into their belts, and their staffs in their hands, ready to leave Egypt on a moment's notice. Yeshua compares his disciples to servants left in charge in their master's absence. He says, be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly, I say to you, that he will gird himself to serve, and have them recline at the table, and will come up 
and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even the third and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. Luke 12, 36 through 38. The events of the last 12 months should have reminded us to be waiting and watching for the Messiah. The foolishness of American politics, the blame game, the paranoia, the conspiracy theories, the lies, and the scamdemic talk is all a distraction from what's really happening. Hashem is urging us to wake up and pay attention. This is not a night for sleeping, like the disciples in Gethsemane in the hour the Son of Man was betrayed. This is a night for watching and waiting, preparing for the coming of the Messiah. That's how the disciples of Yeshua are supposed to live in every generation. This is the night for guarding, for observing, to be on your guard. Yeshua told his disciples, Be on your guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation, that is hangovers, and drunkenness, and the worries of life. And that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 21, 34-36 We are not of this world, nor are we of this kingdom. Our kingdom is not of this world. If our kingdom were of this world, then we would be fighting along with this world. But as it is, our kingdom is not of this realm. We are children of the future. Every day is the day of waiting for the future to burst upon the scene like salvation. When the darkness turns to light and the promise to Abraham is fulfilled, the redemption comes. We are delivered from the furnace. The mouths of the lions are shut. Haman is hung. And one like the Son of Man walks among us. And learn from it And find rest for your soul